0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review.
1: Three Martinis coming up. So glad you are with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. All of it brought to you by Stamps.com. Three Martini Lunch listeners. Can get a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale with no long-term commitment. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in 3Martini. More on Stamps.com a little bit later in the podcast. Jim, before we get to the good martini, the writers of 2020 have been working overtime this year, so it's understandable they went into reruns a little bit, but uh, the Kim Jong-un in a coma once again uh, seems to be uh, kind of a loop back to earlier in the season, right?
0: are we in? Is the news in reruns? <laughs> hit hit the side of the TV. See if it's picking up the wrong signal, like Fonzie used to do. <laughs> That's
1: right. All right. Well, let's talk about our good martini. And this one obviously has political tentacles to it, but I think it's uh, it goes it goes deeper than that. And we don't want to pry, but since this is played out in public, I think it's just a good thing that this is happening. One of the most awkward parts of the last three and a half years, and there's been plenty of awkward things in the last three and a half years is the public sniping between Kellyanne Conway, the president's counselor, and her husband George Conway, who's a DC lawyer. He's been very active as part of the Stop Trump movement from way back in 2016. Uh, He's been affiliated with, uh, you know, groups who who were in favor of impeachment and removal, and now he's been very much involved with the Lincoln Project. Until now, Uh, both of them are quitting their jobs and spending more time with their family. And hopefully that's not just political speak for uh, we're going away from the public eye, but they actually will be dealing with their family. They've got this teenage daughter named Claudia who's been basically going public on social media, airing her grievances about her parents, mainly her mother, because I think she doesn't like Trump very much. And and so that's gotten very ugly, very awkward. It was awkward enough when just the parents were kind of going back and forth on this. But uh, Kellyanne Conway announcing last night, Jim, that she's stepping away at the end of the month from the White House. George Conway stepping away from the Lincoln Project. He's also going to step off of Twitter. I don't know if she's still going to speak at the convention this week. Uh, she's certainly scheduled to at this point. Um, but we'll see if this uh, family can be be put back together. And uh, as you pointed out when we were putting this story together, uh, even Marianne Williamson chiming in here saying that this is a good thing. Everybody remembers her from the forces of darkness on the democratic debate stage, right? She says, I don't agree with your mother politically, Claudia, but she's still your mom. I promise you your life ahead will be better if you handle your issues with her privately. I'm sure she'd go to counseling with you if you don't already. Love has got to trump politics. It just has to, Jim. And sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle here in Washington. There are things, lots of things, way more important than politics. And hopefully this family is going to start focusing on those things.
0: The idea of married couples having different views on politics is not new. And probably the most, you know, one of the most famous examples in recent years was Mary Madeline and James Carville. She was working on the Bush campaign. He was working on the Clinton campaign back in 1992. In addition to both often appearing on, on Meet the Press, they wrote kind of a joint autobiography focusing on what it was like to be in a relationship and in love with each other, but also being on opposite sides. And people may remember that. Cinematic classic, uh, Speechless, featuring Gina Davis, but perhaps more significantly, Michael Keaton and Christopher Reeve as two men fighting for her affections. So, as I like to call it, uh, Greg, I think of that as Batman versus Superman, the prequel. Uh, <laughs> but the idea of like, like Carvel and Madeline were both very comfortable with who they were and what they believed. And they, you know, I think it's they had no problem turning into kind of a shtick. This was kind of some of the fun of watching them and that you knew these two vehemently disagreed about, you know, Bill Clinton's character and the policies of the Bush administration and what was the right direction for the country and and things like that. But there was also this sense of recognizing they loved each other and that at the end of the day, they were both going to go home and chances were good that James Carville was not going to end up sleeping on the couch. With the Conways, you didn't get that vibe, that this was a playful, professional disagreement that you know was part of their identity. Like they, they, there was just oh, a lot of this. Just seemed ugly and nasty and reflecting of some real deep-rooted problems in the home. And whatever you think of them, but you know, you, you probably want the Conway kids to be raised in the most loving and and you know highly functional household they can have. And at some point, the divisions between their parents really did spill out into full-fledged non-political animosity. And, it, you know, from the way uh, the daughter is tweeting and it sounds like there's there's real bad tension in that house. So really, at a time like this, you got to ask yourself what matters to you? What is what is most important to you? I am sure that uh, Kellyanne Conway's job is important to her. I am sure that George Conway's work with the Lincoln Project. They're all. But in the end, is it more important than your kids? Is it more important than your family? I think most of us would say no. And at the end, our family has to come first. And that's why. I completely agree with Marianne Williamson said. I thought it was it was kind of um, it was reassuring to see somebody come out and say, no, no, your family is what's most important to you. And it was also very disturbing, by the way. Lots of people who were just dunking on Marianne Williamson, saying how could you possibly say this? Uh, of course, you should not. You know, you should disown fascists in your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people who really seem to believe that. If their family members uh, vote a different way, if they believe different things, that by golly, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to talk to you. And that, you know, folks, family, you only get one family. A lot of us are lucky enough to get wonderful ones. Some of us get not so wonderful ones. Some of us get people in our family who have real issues well beyond voting for the wrong party. And those are tragic. But you know what? Like your family, you only get, that's, that's the only one you get. And you're going to miss these people when they're gone. And we're dealing with a pandemic where you don't know how many years somebody's got. Of course, you know, never mind the pandemic, get hit by a bus tomorrow. So it's one of those things where you go, hug your loved one, appreciate it, try to find the good in them, try to find something. And if you disagree about politics, try not to bring it up. <laughs> Life has more than politics. Anyway, it was, uh, it was good to see this. I hope the Conways figure out ways to patch things up and, and live happily. I hope this family, you know, is able to find a... A happy life for them, and this, and it may be far away from the political arena. Maybe this, maybe politics could be uh, very political, you know, psychologically toxic for people. So anyway, a uh, little bit. Of, I hope the best for the Conways and it appears this kind of ugly public fight may be coming to an end in our national life.
1: You certainly hope so. You certainly hope so. And I'm sure many people have had moments where you get into an argument with people, maybe you don't talk to them for a little while, and then life intervenes, a major event in the family or or some other thing, and you realize whatever that petty difference was um, isn't worth lingering uh, anymore and never probably was in the first place. But uh, good luck to the Conways. I sincerely mean that. And hopefully... They can get their house in order, literally. Jim, uh, let's talk about a very good thing. Uh, This is Stamps.com. We've talked about them a lot, and it's because that they can provide an extremely valuable service. And by valuable, I mean they can save you a lot of money in addition to making things very convenient because we're slowly adjusting to this new normal. Some states faster than others, some once in a while going backwards, some going forwards, but we still need to be smart about how we do business. And so that's where Stamps.com comes in to make things easier. Look, thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months because they just didn't want to have to go to the post office and stand in line, uh, whether with masks or just be around other people. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid those crowds at the post office all from their own computers. Because with Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid having to go to the post office at all. You'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get by standing in line at the post office. Plus, Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62 percent and no residential surcharges.
0: Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your computer in the comfort of your home or office. Whether you're a small business that's sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or just working from home and you just need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just leave it for your mail carrier, or you can schedule a pickup or drop it in a mailbox, if you could find one. (laughs) It's that simple. And like I said, with stamps.com, you get great discounts too, five cents off of every stamp and up to 62% off of UPS and United States Postal Service shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no brainer,
1: saving you time and money. Right now, 3Martini Lunch listeners can get a special offer that includes a four week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. All of that without any long term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in 3Martini, all one word. That's stamps.com, then enter 3Martini. All right, Jim, let's move to our bad martini now. And if you thought the mask wars were fun in the era of COVID, wait till we get into the heat of the vaccine wars. We've already talked in passing at least a couple of times about polls showing anywhere from a third to slightly over 40 percent of Americans who don't know if they really want to get a coronavirus vaccine, possibly because it's being rushed and they want to make sure that it's effective in the people that take it first, or they're convinced that the asymptomatic rate or the rate of recovery makes it worth uh, taking the risk and not necessarily getting the vaccine. Nothing's going to make this more tense, Jim, than making it mandatory. And guess where they're talking about that? Yes, right here in our own beloved Virginia. Uh, This is uh, TV station WXFR.
0: Virginia's Commissioner of Health, Dr. Norman Oliver, says he plans to mandate a coronavirus vaccine when it's made available to the public. Currently, state law gives him the authority to require immediate immunization during a public health crisis, though people with a medical exemption can refuse. A bill being considered in the ongoing special session would allow those with a religious exemption to opt out. Dr. Oliver says he strongly opposes the bill. It's killing people now. We don't have a treatment for it, and if we develop a vaccine that can um, prevent it from spreading in the community, we will save hundreds and hundreds of lives. That bill still needs to clear a House committee before it could be voted on by the full chamber.
1: So, Jim, like a typical bureaucrat who wants more power, Dr. Norman Oliver here uh, won't say what the penalty will be for not taking the vaccine. He's just sure that everyone will do it because that's the responsible thing to do. So I'm sure that everyone's just going to line up here and there won't be any fights over this at all.
0: Yeah. Now, when they get the vaccine, I don't know about you, Greg, I think I want to be second in line to get that (laughs) vaccine out of everybody in the country. Actually, you know, they're probably gonna do medical workers first. They're probably gonna do people who are most at risk first. Um, It's very interesting to hear this argument of, well, we're gonna mandate it. Well, hold on, it's gonna take a while to get it to everybody. That language there, they said, Greg, immediate. How do you define immediate? Right? Like, you know, is it within, well, the, the vaccine is now available in your area, you have one month to get it, you have two months to get it? Greg, I don't know about you. For some reason, I'm just picturing ED209 saying you have X minute seconds to comply (laughs) um, in terms of this. Look, vaccines, you know, knocking on wood, it's going to be available late this year, uh, early next year. I think it's going to be good. I don't think they're going to rush this. I think they're probably going to be very careful to see if there are side effects. But I can't begrudge anybody for having questions about that, for wanting to really do their homework on this and make sure that it doesn't have, you know, one in a million people end up having some terrible side effect or unef- unexpected reaction, that, that, those are all reasonable concerns. I don't, I'm don't. unnerved when I see the poll results indicating large amounts of Americans don't want to get it, but I, as I jokingly said at the beginning, the eagerness to be the second person to get this vaccine. We're all eager to get it. We all want to be protected against the coronavirus. We just want to make sure this doesn't have any unexpected side effect or some other effect that they didn't uh, account for in the testing. There are large scale testing going on. I think they're gonna work this stuff out, but this is not crazy or real. The idea of saying, well, we're gonna penalize you and the government's gonna make you get this, um, it's kind of, it demonstrates just how tone deaf people have become uh, during this process. It has turned into this mentality of we the wise people in government have to make you the ignorant unwashed we have to make you do things look if this thing can protect you from a virus that kills you people are gonna be lining up for this don't worry there's going to be eagerness and by the way it's going to take us a while to make all this stuff so maybe it's a good thing if not everybody's rushing to the local CVS or doctor's office to get the pandemic' it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise that means that supplies will be able to keep up with demand during the process and as we get up to that point, At some point, you create the equivalent of herd immunity. We know exactly what percentage of the population we're going to need. But the more you vaccinate people, the more it's Look, I want to see people get vaccinated. I think when this thing comes out, it's going to be safe. I'll be doing my research. I'll be reading about the studies. I'll be checking about this stuff. My guess is if you have, you know, one out of every X number of people having some sort of really strong reaction or bad, then, then they will not be bringing it to the public. Or at the very least, they'll be communicating that level of risk of a strong reaction. You have this sort of thing with flu vaccines. It'd be much better if people went out and got flu vaccines, particularly in a year like this. But it doesn't mean I want the government saying, if you don't get a flu vaccine, there will be penalties. You know, come on. Gee, are you like trying to help out the Alex Joneses of the world? Are you trying to fuel public paranoia with statements like this? Greg, we're in the very best of hands.
1: (laughs) Well, I'd be curious to see a breakdown of the, the people who don't want it. You assume it's people that uh, have more of a libertarian streak. But keep in mind that every step along the way, you know, whether it's uh, Trump talking about hydroxychloroquine or now uh, convalescent plasma, you've got people instinctively thinking, well, I don't know. Trump's talking about this, but I don't know. Uh, th- th- this just might not be on the up and up, even if the FDA is approving it. And if it's the Trump vaccine, I can see some folks on the left thinking, oh, he's just rushing this to make it look like uh, he's making progress before the election or something like that. So I I don't know necessarily that there's a huge partisan divide on this. There could be, but I wouldn't be surprised just given the way people have reacted to other aspects of, of uh, developments in this story over the last few months.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, look, the course of this virus, we've been told, masks don't work, you shouldn't wear them. And then that you should. (laughs) We've been told, we don't have nearly enough ventilators. And then we figured out that, oh, turns out, actually, ventilators probably aren't the best form of treatment. We didn't realize how many people were asymptomatic at the beginning of this. We've gone at length about the erroneous statements from... Uh, both the president and other politicians like Bill de Blasio. We've had lawmakers putting the uh, still, like, like could we have a little more humility from government officials in dealing with this? Could they just at least a bit of acknowledgement that they've gotten some stuff wrong in this process and that there need to be much more persuasion of the public of the right course of action rather than this autocratic, we will make you
1: do this, please. Good
0: heavens. The stakes are high enough people.
1: The people who love to grab power. That's one of the things we're learning a lot about in this situation. But, uh, well, Ralph Northam picked this guy, so what do you expect? Um, Boy, is his face red. (laughs) Or is it? All right, let's talk about our crazy martini now. Jim, it's Republican Convention Week now, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that over the next few days leading up to the president's speech on on Thursday night. Um, But of course, last week was the Democratic Convention. ABC News has scored the first joint interview post-convention with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, More than a few softballs in there. Not a lot of hard hitters. But one of the ones that Robin Roberts came up with, uh, she and David Muir during the interview here, uh, was of Kamala Harris. Uh, She's saying, hey, you wrote this book a decade ago arguing for more police. And then she ties that into the Black Lives Matter movement. And watch the political tap dance from Kamala Harris. The
0: book that you wrote 10 years ago, Smart on Crime, where you conclude by saying that you wanted to see more police on the street. Do you still feel that way? Listen, I think that there is no question. First of all, when I wrote that book, um, we, Black Lives Matter did not exist. And I give full credit to the brilliance of that movement in terms of what it has done to advance a conversation that needed to happen a long time ago, what Black Lives Matter has done as a movement has been to be a counterforce against a very entrenched status quo around the criminal justice system in America. And that's why I'm so excited about what we can do in terms of a new administration in the White House that is about taking on these issues in a way that makes clear that the American people are ready for it and they want it.
1: You see, Robin, 10 years ago, I was running for attorney general. So I wanted to look like I was tough on crime. So I was pandering in that direction. And now it's more advantageous for me to pander in this direction. So you understand why uh, why this is so consistent, <laughs> right? The, what's
0: changed, Robin, is public opinion. So I've changed with it. Um, because when, when Kamala Harris talks about the the evils of the entrenched status quo in law enforcement. Who does she have in mind? By any chance, would she think that the state attorney general of California would fit that category? By any chance, would she say that a longtime prosecutor in San Francisco would fit that category? You know, reminded of that. What do you mean? We Kemosabe uh, <laughs> joke from a couple of years ago regarding the Lone the Lone Ranger. You know, look, she comes close to a more honest answer. If you want to say 10 years ago, I just didn't understand how prevalent police abuses were. You know, she'd get a little bit of a hit for it, but I think most people would say, okay, you know, you, you become more aware of new information, and you change your viewpoint based on the information. All right, fine. Okay. happy. You know, every, every wise person changes their mind on something when, you know, when the facts change. Her argument is to basically, you know, tap dance around it, offer a lot of word salad, offer, you know, uh, salutes and hosannas to Black Lives Matter and all that kind of stuff. And then to demonize this this, you know, entrenched status quo of law enforcement as if she was some outside observer to the law enforcement process for the past couple of decades, which she was not. She was only elected to the Senate in twenty sixteen. Uh not surprised. I I you know, a a deft campaign could make a good uh could make a lot of hash out of uh Harris's opinion. And and maybe the Trump campaign will do this. Maybe we'll hear about this tonight at the or nights of the convention coming this week. Yeah, the material's there for a Republican campaign to tear apart the Biden and Harris uh, uh ticket, but uh Remains to be seen whether uh, whether the Trump campaign and other Republicans will be able to do that.
1: Monday night speakers tonight, Jim, Tim Scott. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think the most of all Nikki Haley's going to be out there. Uh, the Democratic state rep from Georgia, Vernon Jones. I'm not using everybody here. Uh, you also got Kimberly Guilfoyle and Charlie Kirk, Don Jr. I don't know. I guess Don Jr. is the closer tonight. I don't I don't actually know that. But I uh, get the RNC chairwoman um, who are you looking forward to tonight, if anyone.
0: I'm going to pause very <laughs> dramatically. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to Tim Scott, looking forward to Nikki Haley. Look, I, first of all, I, there was an, an, a, a graphic on Fox News of featured speakers, and 12 of them had the last name Trump. <laughs> uh, the president, the first lady, and four of his children. I don't like royal family politics. I would prefer to see less of it. Oh, by the way, Jared Kushner will also be speaking. Uh, and as you said, Gilfoyle, who's dating Donald Trump Jr., So that is, you know, besides the president, first lady traditionally speaks, fine. Um, That is a grand total of speakers who are either his children or married or involved with one of his children. That strikes me as a lot. I don't like royal family politics, and so I'm not looking forward to the family member politics. But Biden did a video with his kids and his grandkids, so we shouldn't be surprised. So of course, yes, this is an element of these sorts of conventions. Fine, fine. Um, I'd be curious about what, identity of the Republican party separate from Trump comes through in these four nights. I don't think there's going to be much of it. I think that the, the 2020 election is going to be a referendum on Trump. I think that there is very little room for a non Trump identity these days. Uh, and folks like Tim Scott and Nikki Haley might be the, uh, best representation of that, but we'll see what, what happens. My guess is, you're, you know, we're going to get Trump, 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 Trump. The president's supposed to speak all four nights and that might be what the you know, what his campaign needs the most um i do think unless these poll numbers change you're going to start to see people starting to wonder okay this this presidential elect biden is consistently up five to ten points not just nationally but in the swing states the question will be do you want to have that senate uh the, the republican senate majority as a break on any biden administration's agenda do you want to save a cory gardner do you want to save a susan collins do you want to save a tom tillis in north carolina that, I think, probably ought to be the sort of you know, conversations Republicans ought to be having. But uh, we will see. Maybe Trump will get a nice bump out of this convention. And maybe it'll look like a much more competitive race in the fall starting, uh, starting next week.
1: I think at this point, you got to rise or fall together. I mean, if you ditch the president now, the base is not going to like you very much. And that's going to hurt you. And the odds of you picking up the folks in the middle who don't like Trump but might vote for you by ditching him now looks pretty hypocritical. But we will see. Jim, on that note, we'll see what uh, night one looks like, and I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget our great sponsors over at Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in 3Martini. Please subscribe to the 3Martini Lunch. We thank you in advance for a kind review and a five-star rating. Also, remember, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3Martini Lunch podcast. And please join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.